Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. A welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, December 9th. The BOF team is still buzzing from BOF Voices 2022, our annual gathering for big thinkers, bringing together the movers and shakers of the global fashion industry with the inspiring people shaping the wider world. 
Here are some highlights from the Voices stage during our three days in Oxfordshire. We are going into a dangerous place when we don't seek information, but seek affirmation. It's not borrowing, it's stealing from the future. The system clearly doesn't work. We need to find a better one to work with. So here I am today fighting for the rights of all girls around the world. My biggest takeaway you know, from being here and from hearing these conversations is I think the leaders and the solutions to the problems that we are facing exist. There's such diversity of voices. To come and sort of exchange information and energy with so many different people this way has been really, really extraordinary. Are your minds blown? That's just the beginning. Today, I want to talk to you about the future. We are in a world where everything needs to be fast. People want to make it happen immediately. Be patient. If someone really wants to change and it's in their heart and they're given the opportunity, you can change your life. Vulnerability is a superpower we all possess. It's okay if you're the underdog. It's okay if you're not the popular one. It's okay if you're different. Be the person that you needed when you were younger. And I know that when I leave this beautiful place, I will be leaving with more determination, enthusiasm, and optimism. That's it, really. If you missed Voices while it was happening live, you can still watch all of our sessions on demand. Just visit the link in the episode notes. But in the meantime, I'm pleased to share one of the most inspiring talks from Voices 2022. And that, of course, was my conversation with the 2014 Nobel Peace Prize winner, Malala Yousafzai. Malala has always fought stereotypes and labels. And this week on the BOF podcast, she speaks about the development of her personal activism and how education sits at the heart of resistance. Here's Malala Yousafzai on the BOF podcast. I want to start with this idea of activism. And you and I spent a little bit of time talking about this yesterday. For people here to understand what the role of an activist is in our culture, in our society today, you know, you've been here to hear some of the talks and all of the challenges. Like, why do we need activists? 10 years ago, I was defined as the girl who was shot by the Taliban. But I was an activist before I was shot. I was shot because of my activism, because I wanted to speak out for girls' education, for peace in my hometown, and for equality for women. And also, after I was shot, I wanted to continue to be an activist for girls, not just in my hometown, but around the world. So activism has been part of my life from a very, very young age. I learned about activism from my father. He believed that change would come if people become active and they take deliberate actions to set new norms and to set new culture. He stood up for women's rights at that time. And I often say that he was a feminist before he even knew the word feminism. And he stood out for the right of his daughter. He said that she should be treated equally. He named me after this famous Afghan hero in Malala of Maiwand because she was the only woman in our culture who was known by her own name. He also wrote my name on the family tree, which had no names of women. Not that our family did not have women, we had women, but it's just that they were not recognized as part of the, the family bloodline. So when situation changed in Swat Valley in 2007, he became an activist and you learn from your parents. 
you follow them. And even though he never expected that I would become an activist, I followed his footsteps and I decided to become an activist. And sometimes when we think about activism, in our mind comes a picture of great speeches. We see a huge crowd of people and their stands, an inspirational leader. We think about Martin Luther King Jr. We think about Nelson Mandela and other amazing figures. But even when you look at their journey closely, it is small actions that defined their activism overall. It was the actions they took at home, it was the actions they took in their community, and it was then the actions they took in which they mobilized more and more people with them. My activism began with volunteering to appear in local media interviews. I remember the time when nobody would even step forward to tell the truth about what was happening because they were scared for their life. People were so scared to speak out. One thing I learned at that time was that we were not living in the best conditions. And I could not see a future for myself under the Taliban government and their rule in Swat Valley. So I knew that if I remained silent, nothing would change for sure. But if I do speak out, and if we do tell the story of our lives, and if we do share the truth, then something might change. And that's when I started my activism from appearing on local media channels to the national. And I also started doing my blog and appeared, you know, and I, and I volunteered, like I never hesitating in, in, in telling my story. My dad would always tell me like, you know, don't talk about the Taliban too much, just share about, you know, your school life. But I would always say it. I said, you know, like if this is the reality, then why do we even hesitate in speaking about it? But when I was attacked, I realized that I am in a place where I can speak out not just for my right to education, but I can speak out for millions of girls globally who do not have access to education due to different reasons, from social norms to lack of infrastructure to lack of transportation and the right facilities in schools. So here I am today fighting for the rights of all girls around the world and ensuring that the 130 million girls who are out of school today can have access to safe quality and free education. What does your activism look like today? And how is it different from the girl we saw in the video? Yeah, no, um, a lot has changed since then. <laughs> as I was mentioning that at that time, I was defined as the girl who was shot by the Taliban, but I want to be known as the girl who fought for her right to education and for every girl's right to education around the world. So it was a defining moment for me. I decided that I will start an organization, Malala Fund, that advocates for safe quality and free education for all girls. We do advocacy at national level in nine countries, including Pakistan, India, Nigeria, Brazil, Afghanistan, Ethiopia. We work with other local activists who just like my father and me are trying to bring a positive change for girls' education in their community. They are pushing for changes in policies. They're making it more inclusive for girls. They're improving the quality of education. And I also do activism globally, nationally, in my own capacity as well to ensure that we improve the field of education. Like, why is it that right now there are millions of children, like hundreds of millions of children out of school? And we heard so many inspirational stories today. And one thing that was in common in all of those stories was the power of education, how education 
if it is safe and quality education can transform people's lives it can transform communities so this is something that we should not take for granted it is a key instrument in changing a lot of the issues that we are talking about including inequality climate change poverty education is at the center of all of this to me what matters the most is equality for everyone and especially for women and i know that in order to achieve gender equality for women we have to invest in uh, in education for girls so that they get to the stage where they can have access to more uh, opportunities in their lives so sadly as we heard yesterday or the day before from jada the challenges around poverty and some of the other contributing issues that prevent girls from getting educated including climate change including all of these obstacles that are out there and you know even quite recently in afghanistan with the return of the taliban where you know 10 years of progress that we'd seen in terms of girls being able to access an education it's been wiped away do you find that frustrating after all of this hard work you know i was thinking about it when jada was speaking i'm like how do you keep going when you see so much work so much effort of so many people can it can be wiped away like this it was last year that kabul fell to the taliban and since then girls have been prevented from secondary schools and the taliban in between also made the promise that they would reopen schools in march but they turned their back and girls are still not allowed to be in their secondary schools they're also trying to change the curriculum and really make it really difficult for girls and and all kids to be honest to have access to quality education and i can understand the pain to an extent because i was once in a place where i could not go to school at age 11 when the pakistani taliban had banned schools for us and at that time like i knew that it was not just a deprivation from access to a classroom but it was determining my future and so many girls when they do not have access to schools for them it becomes a situation where their opportunities are very limited most of them are then forced into marriages most of them are then limited to the four walls of their houses and they are never able to then go and earn for themselves to even know about their rights let alone fight for their rights so your future can change completely right now afghanistan is the only country in the world where girls do not have access to secondary schools i have been doing my activism for the past year and half afghan women are fighting for their right to equality each and every day afghan girls are speaking out and we have been advocating for the right to education and equality for afghan women and we will continue to do that i think when you compare it to what was happening two decades ago what's different this time is that afghan women have seen what it means to have equal opportunities and once you see the beauty of equal opportunities of rights of dignity it is really hard to imagine a life without it and that's what they have come to know so they will continue to fight for it and it's time for us to make sure that we uh, support them that we ensure that girls and women have equal rights in that country as we should for all women in every corner of the world let afghan learn movement we need to keep that active 
And we also need to make sure that we are standing up with other Afghan women activists. Recently, we did a protest in London. We joined the Afghan activists there. When I was speaking at the UN this fall, I made sure that Afghan activist gets the stage as well. So they spoke to the world leaders directly asking them about ensuring that this basic human right of education is given to the girls. So really ensuring that we listen to the voices of Afghan women in this time. Women's rights are not only under threat in places like Afghanistan. We've seen in Iran recently in the last 60, 70 days, an uprising there in response to the hijab, which is you know, a very controversial topic in the West and in the East. As a Muslim woman, one, how do you think about what's happening in Iran and, and what the Iranian women are fighting for? They're fighting for freedom. But also, what does the West need to understand about the hijab? We in Swat Valley also went through a similar situation where the Taliban also imposed uh, strict dress code on women. They said that a woman cannot show her face. They have to wear burqas all the time. And it was really about protecting your life. You were doing it for the sake of your safety. And at that time, like I, I did not like wearing a burqa because it was not about a right it was not about choice anymore. It was imposed upon us that you lose the right to make those decisions for yourself. Like the beauty is gone from it. Someone else is determining your life for you and tells you this is the only dress code that you can have. So for me, it was ne never about whether a burqa or a headscarf or something else is the right dress code. It was never about that. It was really ensuring that it is not imposed on women, that a woman's body and how she dresses is not decided by a small group of men or a government. So today we stand with women in Iran because they are so brave and courageous that they are not giving up on this fight. I'm inspired by their courage right now and they are waking us all up because it's not just about women in Iran, it's about women in everywhere. We need to challenge the status quo, we need to challenge the systems, we need to challenge the people who tell us how to dress, how to look, how to talk, how to walk. Like, it is our choice how we do that. And I continue to wear my headscarf proudly because it is part of my faith, it is part of my culture, it is part of my identity. Like, that's how I grew up. But I want it to be something that is connected to the beauty of my culture rather than some men telling me to wear it. And I know it's hard. Sometimes these issues are just deeply connected and it's hard to like separate them. But I think with time, like we hope that perspectives would change. We hope that with more storytelling and with more women coming forward, we would be able to see that let's not judge each other by, by how we look and how we appear, but let's really understand like where we come from, why we make those choices and what compromises do we make in our lives? Like we all make so many compromises. It's not really easy to make these decisions, but it's really time that we women, especially we support each other. So we're here to stand with women in Afghanistan, women in Iran, women in Ukraine, women in, in, in literally each and every corner of the world, women in the US and the UK as well women everywhere, like they need support. We are still fighting for a more equal world. The fight continues. In some countries, they let tell you, you can't wear a hijab, that you can't wear a face covering, that you, can't, you don't have that choice. So I also want to hear your perspective on how you react to those kinds of edicts also coming from men in power. 
again, like, as I mentioned, this is also wrong to tell a woman that she cannot wear a headscarf. There have been reports of such actions in, in European countries. It has also happened in places in India as well, where girls were stopped from going into schools because of how they're dressed. And it's not just telling women that they should dress a certain way, but it's actually limiting them from opportunities. It's limiting them from having access to spaces. Again, like, just leave us alone. <laughs> Let us wear what we want. <laughs> I want to move to your current and new activities. Um, you've recently started a production company called Extracurricular. Can you tell us a bit more about the storytelling that you want to do through this new production company and who you hope to reach and the stories you want to tell that are not currently being told? The theme of the work that I want to do through my production company, Extracurricular, is connection connection with people from different parts of the world, connection with people from different backgrounds, and really connecting with people who we often do not see on our screens, whose stories we do not often hear. And storytelling has been like part of my activism. It is at the center of everything that I do. I started with my own story. Then I started sharing the stories of the girls who I have met in different parts of the world, including Nigeria, Iraq, Brazil, Kenya, and really creating a platform for them to share their stories, to raise their voice, to be activists. And now with the production company, it's really bringing those stories to the screen so people can see, people can connect and relate to those stories. We are partnering with Apple TV Plus, and I'm really excited that we have some projects that we are already working on, like the crew is there and they're filming. Anything you can tell us about that you're working on? Yes, I on? can share now, because for a while I couldn't. We are working on this project, which is focused on a matriarchal society on this island that is part of South Korea. And this is the story of these incredible women who are called the sea women. They earn for the family, they feed the family, and it's really looking at the matriarchal society in the current day and age and how then it connects to the current day issue, including like how they sent off their kids to the cities and, and this tribe is worried about it dying soon. And anyway, I can't share too much. I think I'm sharing too much. Uh, but we are also looking into uh, two amazing books called Disorientation and 50 Words for Rain by to amazing women writers, and hopefully we'll see those stories on screen as well. And I'm so excited that I'm working together with Adam McKay and like A24. And I mean, it's just so many cool people there. So I sometimes like try not to be starstruck. And um, yeah. so you even you have those moments. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, oh. why not? <gasps> yeah, I mean, we saw, you know, the amazing Victoria Beckham. But uh, I also remember the time when I met David Beckham. <laughs> and the funny thing was that like I am of course like he's a big name but I realized the extent of his fame when I met everyone else like after you know we posted a photo like my school teachers like every woman I met every person I met they were like you met Beckham you met Beckham and I was like I don't know like did I miss anything should I have reacted differently should I have like you know, brought him with me here? Should I have asked specific questions? But it's amazing to meet incredible people who are using their platform, their brand to make a difference. And we have been talking about 
fashion and business and activism. And we have been discussing non-for-profits as well. And what we see in common in all of these stories is that we all want to do something good. We all are so determined about the change that we want to see. We care about it. We are honest about the things we want to do. And that's what connects us all right now. And we don't take for granted the opportunities that we have. Even if we have had really difficult journeys, we really are learning from our childhood experiences, from what we experienced later in our lives and making sure that it's better for other people, that it's better for our future generations, that we can do something for them. For me, just looking back at the time when I could not go to school and my friends could not go to school, looking back at the time when the basic human rights were taken away from us, and now looking at it in the current context that it is still happening in so many parts of the world. It is not that far away from us. It's happening really close to us. So it's time that we realize that we can be activists in our own way as well, whether that is through becoming a director or filmmaker or a writer or an activist, you know, whatever role you have, there's always room for becoming an activist through that role. So 10 years ago, I saw activism through the lens of the NGO sector. Today, I know how to do the work through that, but also explore other ways as well. And I know that through storytelling, through producing films, through sharing more and more stories, we can make a huge difference. So yeah, I'm really excited. <laughs> a couple of personal questions. Your life now here in the UK, you came here for Oxford and you've decided to kind of make this your home. You just got married. About a year ago, to Asser, who's also here with us. And here in the UK, you're constantly with security. You're still having to think about your safety. What is it like to be Malala in the UK? <laughs> well, for me, life right now has been pretty busy because we travel so much, we do so much work. And I was lucky that I was able to complete my education in the UK. I did my school studies and then I went to university as well. And my family has been based here. So I'm really grateful for the love and the support that we have received in this country. My mom especially struggled initially because she could not speak English. She dropped out of her school at age six because school was never important for girls anyway. And she sold her books, got some candies in return and never saw a classroom again. When she came to this country, she could not communicate with people in English. She could not go to a store on her own. She could not even book an appointment. And she really had that big communication gap. She was dependent on others. And it's really difficult when you realize that you have to rely on others to make even such small decisions for yourself, even to like do some really small things. And she decided to like take some English classes and she's been studying for the past four or five years. And for me, one of the most beautiful moments is rather than it being a mother helping her daughter, it's a daughter who helps her mother in her homework. So that's the most beautiful moment. My father still, he continues to do the activism. So life here has been okay so far. I mean, I often, but we all complain about the weather. So that's one thing. And um, the short days, I'm sure it's already dark outside. So you, you don't see light as much, yeah. You know, we've heard some stories these past few days about refugees, whether it was Dame Stephanie Shirley or it was Dennis who spoke earlier today. You've made your life here in this country. It's, you know, it's welcomed you, but you're Malala, right? You've been afforded certain privileges 
because you're Malala. What do we need to learn just generally in the West about the way we treat refugees? So in, in the UK, uh, we settled in as residents. We did not become refugees here. Our situation was very different. I came here for the medical treatment. I was actually brought here in an induced coma. So I was never even asked which country I want to go to. <laughs> yeah, I woke up and I said, where am I? And then they say, it's Birmingham. I said, huh, I never heard that city's name before. Yeah, so it, it, you know, it has been a very different experience for my family. But we did see internal displacement in Pakistan. Uh, that was in 2009 when situation got so worse that the Taliban were like bombing schools and they were flogging people. They were bombing police stations and, and they, they were everywhere. They were on the roads, they were on the streets. And a day came when the army announced that you have to evacuate. So everyone was just packing their stuff just within hours and you didn't even know what to pack with you. And it was a really difficult time. There were just long and long queues of people, like, you know, some were in the car, some were just, you know, barefoot. They did not even have shoes. And there were some like little kids who, who had no idea where they were going. So the people of Swat became internally displaced for three months. And when that displacement happened, like we were staying with different relatives and some people were living in, in these camps. Some people were just welcomed by strangers, like strangers just opened their doors and said, you can stay with us. People opened their homes and their hearts to other people. So for us, like in Pakistan, it was not uncommon because Pakistan has hosted the Afghan refugees for decades. And if you look at the statistics, it's the developing countries who have hosted the majority of the world's refugees. So when you even hear about like a few thousand refugees in the Western countries, that's nothing compared to the millions of refugees that other countries have welcomed. And those refugees have been based there for decades. And I'm not going to say that the situation for refugees is best in those places. It is still a challenging time because many of those communities are always labeled as refugees, even if they have been there for decades, even if their kids are born there. So it can be really challenging depending on which country that is. And I have personally been to refugee camps in, in different countries. I went to the Darab refugee camp. I met Syrian refugee girls in Jordan, in Lebanon. And the situation that they go through in those camps is just unimaginable. Some of them have been there for months. Some of them have been there for years. And it's the constant wait, the wait for when things would change, when they would hear this good news that they can go back home. And I remember like one time we were sitting with these groups of girls and we asked them what their future dreams were. They were all refugees from Syria. And one girl said that she wants to become an architect. And I said like, okay, like why do you want to become an architect? She said that when she was evacuating from her country, Syria, she saw it completely destroyed. And one day she wants to become an architect so she can go and rebuild her country. That's how much those wars and conflicts have affected the children, that even their dreams have changed. They want to go back and they want to serve their communities. They want to build a better future for the next generation. So, you know, when you think about refugees, don't just think about them in numbers. Remember that becoming a refugee is no one's first choice. It is not even a choice. Situations, the circumstances force them to leave their homes. It is, it is so hard to leave your home. You never choose to do that. So 
Go and read their stories, find out more about them. I wrote this book called We Are Displaced together with other refugee girls. So you can read We Are Displaced as well and just hear, just see more closely what, what that journey was like for them, how what their life was like before, what the journey was like, and how they are settling in into a new environment and into a new culture. But even in this room, we have people who have that background, they have been displaced, they have gone through a hard journey. And, you know, like sometimes the, the word refugee does not even like summarize what is actually happening in reality. It does not reflect everyone's story truly and completely. So it's really important that we go and, and know more about the stories and, and understand what it is like for that person. And we need to be more welcoming. We need to be kinder to each other. I'm, I'm sure like, you know, people here would agree, but I hope leaders and politicians and they also change their policies and, and change their minds. Yeah. Last question. You've been sitting here with us over the last few days. You've been part of the conversations off stage and on stage. What are your takeaways from Voices 2022? It has been amazing. I mean, Imran, like you are amazing. I'm sure everyone has told you that before, but I want to say it again on the stage. Final words. You are just incredible. And I have met like, so many incredible people here. I heard their stories on the stage as well. It's inspiring. Sometimes we don't we don't fully understand and capture how it is impacting us, but you feel something inside. And I know that when I leave this beautiful place, I will be leaving with more determination, enthusiasm, and optimism. And the work that I'm already doing, I will do it with more energy and excitement because the incredible people I have met here made me believe that, yes, we can make a difference. We can make change. So I want to thank everyone for sharing your incredible stories. And it has been such a phenomenal experience. And I, you know, everyone who's listening to us, you know, on, on screens, I hope you learned a lot from this. And uh, I hope that you will keep sharing this message with others as well and realize how you can play a role in transforming your community and transforming the world. Okay. Malala Yousafzai, everyone. Thank you. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.